0: I'm Jonathan Hirsch, and this is Arrivals. Stories of migration, transformation, and change. The program that explores what we do when what we've done is a thing of the past. I remember very clearly where I was on September 11, 2001. My family was living on a farm in a remote area of Northern California. The television in our house was just a piece of furniture. There was cloth draped over it. We never used it. And in those days, we'd rather watch the sun come up over the bluff in the distance and over the walnut groves that lined the valley instead of the news. But on that morning, a friend called to tell us that our country had been attacked. And that we'd better turn the TV on. So my dad and I went digging around in storage for a cheap rabbit-ear antenna set. We wiped the dust off the screen of the TV, and through the static we saw the burning buildings of a city I'd never been to. A city I scarcely knew to be an American one. Later that morning, we drove down to San Francisco and I remember being stuck in traffic and for the first time feeling part of a very big place, peering into the interiors of the adjacent cars, listening to reports on the radio, knowing that no matter the dial, all of our ears were now trained on the same story, not just California or even the West Coast or the United States, the world. We were all changed that day. But for those who called New York City home, who lived and worked in Lower Manhattan during that time, the impact ran much deeper. This is the story of a man who, through the tragedy of that day, found his true calling
1: Mellow. I was born in the Bronx and grew up in the Bronx. Went to high school on the Upper East Side. After college I moved down to the East Village, so I'm a New York City guy, you know, which is uh, rare. I feel like everyone from New York is from different places, but I'm, I'm actually from here. And I worked on the trading floor. it was it was exciting i you you get into work like 6:30 7:00 a.m. and then you just see people just all this activity at the time that i was working there it was 97 98 so this was the whole internet uh you know people becoming millionaires opening a dot-com, starting a dot-com, which you don't even know what the dot-com exactly did, but every now and then you would look over on one part of the floor, whichever desk was trading their, that, that particular um, IPO, and it would be an explosion of, of, of cheers, and you know, like, oh great, another millionaire, or another, another thing happened. The investment banking track, it's, more, it's that, it's more of a track, you know, where you're gonna be next year, the year after, it's more structured. So I decided to go over to Lehman Brothers. I want to know next year what my title will be and what my salary will be. And I kind of want to have the next couple years laid out for me, which is, which is one of the advantages of, of working for, for the, the banking side as opposed to the, the trading side. I hated it. I hated it because uh, at least in the trading floor, even though things weren't, I didn't know whether I was still going to be uh, working there or not. It was always just action. There was always something happening and something that that you can, it was just something that was really cool. It's like everything that happened that day was reported on that night on the news. It was something that you can see how it's how it's impacting the world. Whereas there's just a lot of things that happen in banking that just take months, months, months. You're just working on deals and sometimes the deals don't happen. It's just it's just a different pace. September eleventh, two thousand one, a Tuesday, I went into work that morning, eight AM. I've felt the building shake and the guy in the cubicle behind me he runs to the window uh, because his cubicle was closest to the window and he's like oh my god look 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 and we look outside the window and the the building across the street had a big hole on the side and just debris coming out papers glass just debris coming out and the whole office went to the window and we're looking at this building just like wondering what happened. We didn't see a plane go in, said, okay, everyone just, you know, stay here. We're gonna await further instructions from, from I guess the police or from someone. But for me, I just wanted to get outside. I said, okay, this is, this doesn't look good. If there's a bomb in that building, there could be a bomb in this building. There could be, you don't know what's happening. And I just kind of wanted to get out of the building. So I went to my cubicle, just, grabbed my coat and started walking out. And um, on the way out, I remember there was um, someone I I worked with um, who was just, you know, kind of standing by her cubicle. And she's like, are you leaving? I was like, yeah, I'm leaving. She's like, "Okay, I'll go with you. And as we're going down uh, in the elevator, uh, the elevator slows. And it's it, and it stops. It stops for. I mean, looking back, it maybe like thirty seconds. You know, it stopped and then poof, resumed again. But it felt like thirty hours. It was. We both looked at each other and it was like, oh my God, what just happened? Like, well, what? Like, what's what's going to happen now? I mean, can we get out? Is you know, did this this building just get hit? Like, what just happened? And at that point, it just hits me. I was just like, you know, if. If I'm going to, at this moment, die in this elevator, in this office that I didn't want to even really be in, like if if, if I, if I, if this is the end right now, when I think back on my motivation for everything that I've done, it's always, I'm kind of here and I'll do something better in the future. At that moment, just wanted to change, to change my life. yeah the elevator started moving again we went back down and uh, we got to the the lobby and the lobby of of Three World Financial Center which is where Lehman Brothers was located was uh, had this big atrium and there was always like the car show the orchid show there was always some performance or something happening in this atrium and there was this big glass ceiling and that debris from from the world from the first tower started falling into that atrium so you start seeing just pieces of the, of the glass falling people running it was chaos in the lobby and I get out through this to the exit through the side everyone's just kind of standing outside looking up you know you're not inside the building and you're not seeing all this uh, debris falling in. you just kind of go outside and things just got a little more quiet and I see uh, two of my friends Standing on the corner, they had gone out to Starbucks, and they're standing on the corner, holding their Starbucks, looking up at the at the the first tower. And I go up to them, and I'm like, "Guys, what you know? What happened? You know, was it, a, it looks like a, a bomb was in the building or something?" And my friends are like, "No, no, 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 no. There was a plane that that flew too low and hit the uh, the tower." friends are like, oh my God, look, and we see the other plane fly directly into into the other tower. At that point, we realize it's it's not an accident. We stand there for a while. We're watching people jump. I mean, it was, you know, you see debris, you see paper, glass, and then I remember just realizing that, okay, that's a body that just jumped off. And, um, and yeah, it's just, it was horrible. It was horrible because we were, we're there on the ground and, you know, you can see, you know, blocks away, um, you know, a, a body land. firemen and the police said okay people start moving up and that's when my friends and I and just people that were on that corner start moving up the West Side Highway away from away from the World Trade Center and at that point I, I lived on 7th Street and Avenue D so I started going across the um, the island to get over to where I was I look back at the, at the towers and then that's when I see one of them falling. To see them come down like that was, um, I don't know, it was just, I, I just remember um, just starting to cry. After the towers came down, I then decide to walk up north to a friend's apartment, and um, that apartment became kind of like where a a bunch of friends just kind of gathered. We just kind of gathered there, and um, I was there for like maybe two days uh, before I went finally to my apartment.
0: It is extraordinary, and therefore...
1: I got a call from from Lehman and they said, you know, come back, Uh, we're relocating everyone over to another building. And what they had done is that they had rented out out a hotel on um, 7th Avenue and 42nd Street in Times Square. They rented out a a Hilton, took out all the beds, uh, put in desks and gave us laptops and said, okay, we're working from here. And, I mean, there wasn't much work. It wasn't like the markets were, were really doing anything. It was just, uh, I think, I don't know, I guess I didn't want to be like the people that at that time were surrounding me who, you know, the this job was their life. And, um, and you know, a tragedy happens and they have to, they, they think about the, the stuff in their cubicles and they think about, I don't know, these things that I realized at that moment, were not important. I mean, these things could have all just as easily been destroyed. And and I didn't want to stay somewhere or stay in a job and, like, attach all these feelings and emotions to something that really wasn't important to me. At the end of the year, that's when I said, okay, I'm I'm going to... take time off and fortunately it worked out that they um they were gonna move us around and and they had asked well you know if you don't want to take this new position then we have no choice but to lay you off and so I started 2002 completely uh free without a job but with a little bit of a cushion um maybe like I don't know a couple months of savings and now I had uh time to, to figure out what I wanted to do. I took acting classes. I um, took up guitar again. I um, was walking by a, a, a Mexican restaurant and I saw that they needed uh, a DJ. And I walked in and I said, I'm a DJ. And yeah, that's, that's what I did. I just, uh, I took, oh, and I took up salsa. When I was taking salsa classes, I met this girl who was also interested in taking Argentine tango classes. And I remember thinking, oh, that's really interesting. I like how people in the dance embrace each other. The music is kind of weird, but there was always something interesting about it. And I just never acted upon it. And then this girl wanted a a partner for her class. And I said, okay, let's this will be my chance. And I went into that workshop, and it was awful, awful because I was completely. I, I realized I didn't, I wasn't going to pick up this dance in a weekend, or even in six weekends, or even in a hundred weekends. I, I realized that I like stepped into something that was huge. I stepped into like a whole world of of the music, of the dance, of 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 the technique, the steps, it was just the whole thing. And after that weekend, maybe I didn't get it this weekend but I'm gonna sign up for the unlimited dance package <laughs> and, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna you know, give myself another month, another two months. And, and I did that, I did that for maybe three or four months. And after three or four months, I said, okay, I need to go to the source because uh, I, I need more. I mean, Buenos Aires is the home of, of Argentine Tango. And to be in a cab and, and a cab driver's listening to Tango and he knows the words and to be just surrounded by it, that's when I really felt, okay, I'm in it. I'm, I'm really in it. And the Milongas, the, the gatherings of Tango there were just full of, of these great dancers. Like you saw I saw I saw a lot of like older couples and I saw a lot of just more like real-looking people, normal people, dancing amazing tango. I even debated, okay, I should just forget it all and just stay down here and figure it out, but I did uh, come back and I was sad. I was sad for, for uh, many weeks after that. I came back to New York. I got a job working as a cater waiter. And I did a couple of those. And at one particular one, the bartender asks me, so what's your story? You know, everyone here is a writer, a dancer, an actor. They're doing something artistic. What's your story? And I said, well, I'm, I'm kind of nothing at this point. I, I used to work in, in banking and I left, you know, after 9/11, and I'm, recently I got into salsa and, and in tango. I just came back from Buenos Aires, but uh, I'm not really sure what I want to do. And he says to me, "Well, you know, it's really interesting because I have, I have a friend who left his job after 9/11, and he was able to, you know, get some assistance with his uh, his phone bill. You know, like you because because you left your job after 9/11, you can, you know, there's a, you can get some assistance from the government. So the next day. I went to um I went to the FEMA office, and they said, "Well, yeah, we can pay for your um your heating bill, maybe some uh, assistance with your phone bill, but we can also assist you in your rent until you find a new job." And I said, "Well, how long is that? Um, how long will you cover me for?" And they said, "Well, for a year within two weeks I got a Check, you know, covering three months of rent. They would pay it in three month installments and gave it to my landlord and went to Buenos Aires. Like, I, I have now another year um, to figure this out. So I went back to Buenos Aires and now with a mission. the first thing I did was, aside from learning more tango, was um, I started uh, a tour business. I started a tour business uh, because people at that time were afraid to, to go down to Buenos Aires. Uh, but I had marketed myself and said, well, you know, I've been here. It's not that bad. I, you know, I know which milongas to go to. I know which hotels are safe. I know which restaurants or which neighborhoods are safe. I would organize the hotel for them. I would organize which uh, milongas or tango parties they would go to and just made sure that their experience was was good for the nine or ten days that they were there. But during this time, the people who uh, would come on these tours, they started requesting that my partner and I teach them because we would always offer a little review of, of what the teachers, these master teachers, had taught. And... So then from that, people started requesting, um, my partner and I, when we go back to the U.S., can you come and teach us here in, in Austin, Texas, or can you come and teach us here in Chicago, can you come teach us here? And that's kind of how we started uh, getting known as teachers. That's how we started uh, being requested as traveling teachers. This wasn't something that I planned. But then when you get the opportunity to, to start doing things that you like and you realize that you would spend days, weeks, months with no pay doing it, then then once you get caught up in that, then it's really hard to, to go back to something that you get paid for, um, that you get paid really well for. I, I'm not going back. And it's tough to tell that to people um, it's tough to tell that to people, because for a while you were one of them, you know, hey, oh, you work at Lehman, oh, I work at Morgan, oh, I work here, and you're like one of them. And now you're not one of them, you're, you're, you're the, the tango teacher that they bring up in conversation. Oh, yeah, I have a friend who works in tango now. You know, he can become like a story. ¶¶ what um, uh, fueled me or what kept me going uh, was that moment in the elevator. When you think that you're going to die, that's when it becomes really apparent what's important to you. And,
0: uh, and yeah, I, I,
1: I, when I think about uh, what my life has done from uh, since 9-11 till now... If I am faced with that this situation where it might be over for me, then I'll feel a little bit better. Like, okay, okay, you know, I, I wouldn't want to die at this moment, but I did get to do this and this and this and I had so much fun and I made great friends and uh, I did something that was passionate. Like I, I, I'll, I'll be a little more at ease with dying now than I would have been in, 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 uh, in 2001.
0: style and the words that you say it's a new one you say A special thanks to Nay Mello for sharing his story it was recorded in his studio in Sunnyside Queens where he continues to teach the dance that he fell in love with. This episode of Arrivals was written, recorded, and produced in between bodega beer runs and late night takeout in the lovely East Williamsburg neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York, by me, Jonathan Hirsch, along with Nora Lind and Ben Cruz. Be sure to check out our website where you can find pictures of Ney in action and many more arrivals, stories, and images. We release a microcast featuring outtakes, extended interviews, and other ephemera from the arrivals show called En Route, which you can find there as well. All at awRvls.com. And while you're there, if you would consider leaving us a review on iTunes, it really does help us spread the word. There's a link at the top of the website. Arrivals is a proud and founding member of The Herd, an audio collective of six independent producers from across North America who have banded together to share resources, promote one another's work, and to collaborate. One of the brightest, most imaginative programs out there today is Vanessa Lowe's Nocturne. Nocturne explores how thoughts, feelings, and behaviors transform in the dark. Historically, you know, drag queens being freaks, right, and gay people in general, queer people in general, are shoved into nightlife, are shoved into um, places that other people aren't. A lot, of, a lot of times, like, a drag show starts at 11 or 12 at night. You can listen to Nocturne and all the other Heard shows at our website, the h-e-a-r-d radio.com That's theherdradio.com And for our Bay Area listeners, Nocturne and Arrivals are coming together to host the fourth Arrivals live event in San Francisco on October 16th at Lost Church and again on the 17th as part of the Litquake Literary Festival at the Lost Weekend video in the Mission District of San Francisco. Information on the shows can be found on our website. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again... you wind up where you need to be.